Hello and welcome to episode two of the TLDR News Podcast. I'm joined today by Rory Taylor, Hello. Uh, writer, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Zach Michaelis, our editor-in-chief. Is that you... we settled on? You had the little thumb tag, didn't yeah. you, the last one? It's just writer. We'll go with that. Okay, yeah. it's nice and simple. How are you both doing? Good. We're back sooner than we thought. Sooner, yeah, yeah. definitely. We were expecting to do this sort of once a week. Double episode week, yeah. starting out strong. I think we probably will be doing once a week. From we now will. On. Yeah, we don't yeah it's just because there's been so, yeah. so much going on this week. Mm. So um, the main thing today is that the Privileges Committee uh, report has come out. Uh, it's about 30,000 words. I think it's very long. I haven't read it all. I don't know if either of you two have put the time in today to read it all. Um, but, you know, I've seen the, the important bits. Yeah. So we thought we'd dissect that a bit and uh, look at what's going to happen going forwards. So do either of you want to just give a brief summary of some of the, the main things to take away from today? Um, I've got right in front of me, I've got the main little lines that, that kind of sum up the whole thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Is there like an executive summary? Does yeah, this is, one? it does actually. Oh, it's very well done, to be fair to them. Um, yeah. If you're going to shoot the, shoot the king, you know, <laughs> yeah. that whole thing. They'd not miss. Um, basically, uh, the committee found that Boris Johnson deliberately misled the House of Commons, deliberately misled the committee, breached the confidence of the committee, impugned the committee and thereby undermined the democratic process of the House of Commons and was complicit in the campaign of abuse and attempted intimidation of the committee. So they kind of found him guilty on all charges, as it were. The the interesting thing here as well is that I think only one of those technically relates just to party yes the rest of them are to do with his behavior in committee absolutely which is remarkable considering that you know this is what we said i think last time yeah i was gonna say you mentioned that last time didn't you yeah yeah but the, the committee you know the committee's come out and said exactly that which is just yeah that his behavior in committee is, is made his punishment so much worse one of the things i think is I, i've got to say before actually we get into this that i haven't read or really been at all interested in what's happened today so i'm i'm not going to be that informative but one thing we'll teach that, you thank you that's what i'm sort of hoping mm. for um, one of the things I find very satisfying is the last one, which is a finding him of being complicit in the campaign of abuse and intimidation towards the committee. And that is just satisfying because it was so obvious what he was doing mm. throughout mm. The, the entire investigation. You had all of those reports in the, the Telegraph and the Daily Mail that were nominally from like allies of Boris Johnson or friends of Boris Johnson casting aspersions on like you know various elements of the committee. And it's it's nice that they've had the confidence to stand up to that. Yeah. And I suspect all of those attacks and things kind of made them even more uh, enthusiastic about, you know, putting those kind of things in and condemning those attacks. One of the other things that they put in the report as well was his failure to actually listen to or engage with any of the arguments put forward by the committee. So in his little rant that he did afterwards, after, you know, he got the, the findings last Friday, he said something along the lines of, um, you know, when he said that he wasn't breaking the rules because he was doing, you know, leaving parties with people and he believed it to be reasonably necessary, that was something that the committee and other people pushed back on. But he's still, even in that that thing last yeah. week in his, his, you know, statement, was still making that same argument that he believed it to be reasonably necessary that he had to hold these leaving dues for people to keep morale up as people working long days in COVID, to which, you know, people have been saying for months that nurses didn't get that privilege you know there was no exception of that no in fact yeah. they specifically said not to do leaving dues christmas dues etc because they're not necessary for work purposes the fact that he still seems to have taught himself to believe that that he yeah. still genuinely believes that that was necessary you know there's, it shows what the committee's saying yeah he's not critically engaging with with those there's arguments. quite a good line that they put in the report which says 
it's what just one of the things they considered. They say the frequency with which Johnson closed his mind to those facts uh, and to what was obvious, so that eventually the only conclusion that could be drawn was that he was deliberately closing his mind. That read slightly weirdly, but the point is, you know, he was even if he did convince himself that those things were uh, kind of necessary after the fact, you know, mm. it was a deliberate attempt to kind of close yeah. himself off from the actual facts. Is it like that Parliament's prose hasn't changed in like yeah. 200 years? I started reading that and like halfway through, I thought this, you know, it, wouldn't it was going too far. It wouldn't script. No, no, it wouldn't. I'd do a lot of editing. Yeah. It lends mm. a veneer of credibility to the shambles that is Parliament, <laughs> though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but all, all, of, all of these things sort of um, came together to form the, the committee's opinion that they, he should be suspended for 90 days. I know last time we were discussing what the punishment might be and we yeah. were saying... Some people were suggesting 10, some people a bit more out there were suggesting 20 days, mm. 90 days. I don't think anybody was expecting that. I didn't no, see anybody. No. I mean, that is a huge amount that. of time. No, there's, there's only been one MP before who's been suspended for longer than that, which was um, Keith Vance, yeah. uh, Labour MP, oh, yeah. uh, who was suspended for six months. But outside of that, he, he, that's the second longest suspension ever given to an MP. Yeah. Um, you know, other, I think someone in, was it uh, Paul Flynn in 2012? Was suspended for lying to parliament and his suspension was five days so it really shows that it's this conflation of all these things yeah. together which has led to him getting yeah. 90 days which is just i mean the to put it frankly the balls on the committee doing 90 <laughs> yeah. days is you know um, exceptional yeah i mean we should it's obvious but we should point out that since he resigned he the 90 day suspension thing is kind of irrelevant yeah um but it just goes to show how how you know serious they they took the the, the, what's the word? The contempts of Parliament. Mm. Have um, they instead recommended that he loses his or won't get a former member's pass? Yeah. What, um, what is that? Basically, I, I think if when you leave the House of Commons, um, when you stop being an MP, most people are entitled to a former member's pass, which means they can access the, the estate fairly freely rather than you know needing to be a guest of someone or something. Yeah. So they're going to recommend that he doesn't have that, which is it's kind of like a bit of a you know, kicking him while he's down yeah. type of thing. But um it's quite sassy. Yeah. But for a former Prime Minister to not actually have access to the parliamentary estate, that's quite something. Yeah, that's quite yeah. that's quite wild. But that so that recommendation is actually what they're gonna vote on on Monday, I think. I mean they vote on kind of approving the whole thing, but the only thing that Yeah, that will be yeah important because he's stepping down so ninety days yeah. means nothing to him. Um I mean that yeah, it's such a huge it's such a huge punishment from the committee, and no one was expecting it to be to be that big. Mm. Um, and, and as I say, I think it just goes to show that his his behaviour in committee has led to this more than his actions yeah. in Partygate yeah. itself. They they did actually point out. I think I read that even before all of the um, the way he treated the committee, their conclusion was to suspend him more than the ten day threshold anyway. So even if he went along with it, you know, politely and properly, I think he still would have faced a by-election or a recall petition mm. uh, but obviously not 90 days so the next big event in this is monday which incidentally i think is johnson's birthday yeah uh, that he's facing this vote which is it will be exactly three years from the event for which he was fined uh, the, for, uh, the birthday the cake. cake birthday cake yeah wow. uh, that they'll be voting on on his punishment for that which seems apt wow. um so they're they're voting on that what do we think is going to happen because you know it's the whole house voting the Conservative Party has announced it's only a one-line whip, so MPs can vote whichever way they like uh, without fear of repercussion. Um, 
you know, the Boris contingent will probably try and push back. You know, we've seen people like Simon Clark today come out and say that, you know, parroting Johnson lines of it being a kangaroo court, that kind of thing. Um, do you, we have heard those kind of things before, though, that there's going to be some big Boris contingent defending him, and that hasn't actually come to fruition. Yeah. So do either of you think that there is going to be a big, you know, pro-Johnson camp that's going to vote down this sanction, you know, the, the, the punishments on him? Or do you think it's going to you know, be approved um, by the House pretty pretty easily? I mean, it'll definitely be approved, but it's about the size of the rebellion, I guess. Um, I think there'll be some Tory MPs who abstain because they they maybe they think Johnson obviously acted poorly, but they might think the 90-day thing is a bit too much, so they might just not cast a vote. Um, but then the actual Johnson allies are the ones to watch, but there's just not enough of them to actually make a difference. Yeah. But I guess it does give you a sense of the split within the party and the size of the kind of factions based on the results. I think that's going to be the interesting yeah. thing is I think that this is going to be used as a as a way of looking at just how fractured the Conservative Party still is. You know, in the last few months, we've seen, um, you know, a hell of a lot of conversation about, you know, the, the, the rift that has been opened up by Sunak and Johnson and then there's the trust camp for a while, how fractured the Conservative Party is. And I think that this is going to be another test to see whether Sunak has managed to unite the ship a bit more. I think I think ultimately, as you say, there will be a rebellion, but I think it's going to be very small. And mm. I think ultimately it's going to show that Sunak has managed to bring the party together to a large degree and there just isn't as many Johnsonites yeah. left as we as there once was. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I also think it's Sunak is lucky in that this is a really inopportune time to demonstrate your support for Johnson. Like, even if you are sort of like soft Johnsonite and you're sort of waving between the two of them. You don't want to come out, you don't want to express your support for Johnson via this vote because, you know, implicit in, in voting against the suspension is a sort of like a disrespect for the privilege, Privileges Committee. Um, and so I think that even those sort of middle ground Tory MPs who are sort of caught between Johnson and Sunak will probably err on the side of caution um, and will either abstain or vote for the suspension, which is great news for Sunak. It, it just lends momentum to his unification yeah. effort. And yeah. he can really um, separate himself from the Boris Johnson yeah. era by doing that as well. I just think Tory MPs have just been reminded of quite how chaotic the Johnson era was and could be if it returned. Yeah. You know, like this this last couple of days have been just truly chaotic on every level. I mean, the whole like the Nadine Dorries not leaving Parliament, leaving Parliament, getting a weird text from Johnson, then, you know, whatever. The, no one actually knows what's happened, but this whole like shenanigans has been pretty stressful for Tory MPs. Yeah. Um, and also the way that Johnson's reacted again, like, you know, that's sort of like, he, yeah. He seems to have stepped up a notch because he, he's always, people have always slightly compared him to Donald Trump in cases. But I think I used to think that was a slight, you know, there was quite a big gulf yeah. between them. But in the last few days, he's really has, no, the whole you, kangaroo court thing is really quite Trumpian. It's really interesting because I think that often when you talk about Johnson and actually Trump and all of those characters, like the term populist covers a lot of ground there. Mm. But I think that description is, is maybe slightly erroneous. And like Johnson has really traversed the populist terrain over the years. Like he starts off on the fun side of populist. You know, mm. you're thinking, have I got news for you? London Mayor Johnson, he's a buffoon. He's the Berlusconi side of populist. Mm. And over time, he's just sort of tended towards the, the angry side of populist, like the yeah. Donald Trump side of populist. The ones and, that vocally criticise democratic institutions. Yeah, and like Berlusconi is a bit more subtle and he's a bit more fun, you know. Mm. He's all bunga bunga. And that was what sort of 2012 Johnson was. And it's it's quite tragic, actually, I think, in a way, to watch his transition towards angry populist. 
Not least because it's it's just like he's clearly unhappy. And he, I don't want to go Western politics and psychoanalyze him, but like he, you know, that that is that if you it's it's quite odd to just think back to London Mayor mm. Boris Johnson and just psychologically quite how different he is to the current iteration of Boris Johnson, which is just a far angrier thing. It's it's remarkable as well because in his in in that um, statement he made um, after getting the, the the provisional report last week, he just he he it almost comes across like you just cannot believe that this group of people could find him to have lied in any way that 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 his he believes genuinely it comes across like he genuinely believes that he thinks that his arguments hold water that it, it, he he had it all sorted and it makes no sense that they they found him to have lied and it you know one of the good examples of this is you know what i said earlier that um you know he thought it was obvious that you should be able to have parties for people leaving and that it was necessary to keep the morale up and everything and he finds it insane that the committee can see it any other way and it's this sort of like if they don't see it his way then the whole committee must be wrong and all of this it's he cannot be wrong in this situation and it's yeah it's very trump less berlusconi isn't it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um and it's yeah it, i think as i say the committee mentioned this about the, the attacking the democratic processes and i think that's exactly right the way that he's treated the committee is an attack on 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 that democratic process yeah. and the fact that it is headed by conservatives it's a conservative controlled committee as all committees are at the minute because it re- reflects the composition of parliament um there's a whole i think there's a whole appendix in the report that basically answers all the questions like uh that effectively were posed by boris johnson about how fair and how you know how just the committee was and they go through and say you know this we were the whole house of commons referred this case to us including conservatives um you know the makeup is mostly conservative on the committee they just kind of go through one by one and say you know this is why it is fair this is why you know what he said isn't the case um his latest uh way of discrediting the committee is the whole bernard jenkins thing yes uh, which is interesting because it also involves birthday cakes and lockdown do you want to briefly parties. explain this um i yeah i'm not fully up to speed with the latest on it but yesterday i think um guido forks released a thing about how basically accusing um bernard jenkin who's uh, basically the top conservative on the committee um the privileges committee they said that he broke lockdown rules back in 2020 i think mm. by having a little birthday party for his wife in parliament or something i don't know the exact details but um so they're they're now saying you know if that's the case he is it should not be right that he could pass judgment through the committee on boris johnson for doing these things ignoring the fact that the committee wasn't actually establishing whether boris johnson was breaking the rules or not no that had been established they were trying to establish whether he misled the house of commons yeah the, 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 that that's the key factor there it's not whether he broke the rules or not it's yeah. to do with whether you mis- misled the house which you know in parliament is you just can't do that it's yeah just that, that's that's rule number one is you cannot mislead the house of commons it's, um i was just gonna say it's really interesting on that point it's, it's quite how divorced the right wing media is from public opinion at this point um because the right media has always been a big fan of, of, of johnson you know, like the Daily Mail was his number one fanboy back in sort of 2019. But at the time, they had some sort of claim to legitimacy there because they were, you know, especially in the, like the Brexit days, for example, you know, they, they were articulating something that was widely felt amongst the British public. You know, back in the Brexit days, when Boris Johnson was like fighting against Parliament and we had all those headlines like, you know, uh, whatever it was about the judges, do you remember that thing with the Daily Mail? And talking about how Parliament was obstructing the will of the people and that sort of thing. 
sure the language was inflammatory and sure it was populist in a sense, but it was articulating something that was really felt amongst a significant fraction of the British public. But now, you know, three, four years on, whatever we are, the right-wing media is still defending Boris Johnson with the same fervour it did back then, but there's just no appetite for this in the no. British public. You know, the fact that, like, I think the, the Daily Mail or the Mail on Sunday headline was something like a lion fighting for its pride or something stupid like that. Um, it's, it's really, really fascinating, like, quite how much they're willing to sacrifice in terms of their own legitimacy for Johnson. And I, think, I just don't really understand it. I think it reflects the, the attitude of... of the the right-wing press in this country that they do believe that a johnson comeback could happen at some point and they're, but they're what, historically historically the right-wing press have actually been in the uk the tabloid press at least mm. have actually been pretty good at basically following public opinion they pretend yeah. that they direct it but actually they're pretty good at following it i think that's for example why they were relatively keen on new labor mm. is because they knew which way the wind was blowing and they just wanted to get there before you know before it looked desperate and you, I almost, if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, I, I would have expected something similar. You know, I would have expected the right press to realize that Boris Johnson is not making a comeback and that supporting him is, is really a fool's game at this point. And it just makes them look silly to even the majority of their readers at this point, because I don't think that even Daily Mail readers want, at least the majority of Daily Mail readers want a Boris Johnson comeback given how unpopular he, he is. Do, do you think they're preempting the fact that um, Sunak's gonna lose the next election and then he might be ousted and Johnson might come back then. Do you reckon they're, they're looking that far ahead in, in backing Johnson, assuming that this comeback might happen yeah. following a downfall of Sunak? So no, that might happen. But that might happen. But I think the most plausible explanation is just that the British journalistic class, I'm just, I'm, this is, I shouldn't be saying stuff like this, but the British journalistic class is just too inbred. Like they are just all too like Met Macy with metaphorically metaphorically right, obviously yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, it is just too there, there is too much overlap between the British journalistic class or at least the right wing and their political class you know and I think that literally what's happening here is that a lot of people who write articles for the Spectator and Daily Mail and the Mail on Sunday are good mates with Boris Johnson I, I maybe we'll change the word inbred in the cut um, are good mates with Boris Johnson and I just think that literally explains it but I think it's really interesting how that relationship where, you know, the, the, basically the close relations between the journalistic and political classes, which has served the journalistic class so well over time, is now sort of biting it, uh, what's the word framing this, is now coming back to bite it. Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. um, do you see what I mean, what I'm getting at here? Yeah, I do. I think I think the I think you're probably bang on with that. I think it probably is that they just they are a small club. They are all probably friends with Johnson, and that probably feeds in quite significantly. Um, but going back onto the the point of Johnson, do you think that this? I know we had a discussion about this um, in the last podcast about what Johnson does now. Do you think that this this report coming out and it being as damning as it is has that changed your minds on what Johnson does next? Um. Not really. I th I can't remember exactly what we concluded, but I think it was along the lines of he'll he'll wait rather than you know mounting a comeback sooner. I think he'll possibly wait till after the next election. Mm. I still think that's probably the case, um, but I I don't know to be honest. This this is one of those things where it's really damning for Boris Johnson the whole report. But obviously his strategy is is using the fact that it is so damning to kind of justify his argument that it, they were out to get him from the start. Um, that might help him among. People who already like him. It's so Trumpian. But, but, more, yeah. It's just so Trumpian of him, him, him having consequences for his actions yeah. 
means that he just tries yeah. to undermine democratic institutions. Then we have to remind ourselves that, like, by the time the next election comes around, or as we go towards the next election, people aren't going to be thinking about this, really, are no. they? It's about the economy and and everything else. <laughs> it's yeah. not how how many days Boris Johnson would have been suspended for. I do think it makes it less likely that he returns via the Conservative yeah. Party. That's the only thing I'd say, is that I think that, A, this will, put again, remind Tory MPs of quite how Kayasaka Johnson premiership would be, and, B, it'll irritate Johnson to the extent that he really, he, he'll, he'll lose sort of faith and favour with the Conservative Party. Um, and so I think that it makes it mildly more likely that if he does return to Parliament, it'll be via some new political vehicle. You know, there's a bit of chat at the moment about a Farage-Johnson coalition. That's that's not going to happen. I don't think it will happen, but I think I, I, I think you're right. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I think it makes it mildly more likely. I think before the most likely outcome was definitely that he'd be returning via the Conservative mm. Party, you know, after Sunak lost. But I do think this whole episode makes that slightly less likely. Yeah, I think it's less likely that he'll be, go back to the Conservative Party. I don't think the alternative to that is... Well, I mean, in terms of narrative, this lends itself quite nicely to a whole, like, new anti-establishment theme, Bob. Mm. You know, it definitely encourages that. Um, I saw, well, I guess they're rumours, but rumours from people who know about these things. Um, so that the vote on Monday or the motion on Monday is going to be amendable, so people will be able to propose amendments to to the, effectively to the, uh, what, the motion approving this um, report. Um, there was some talk about Labour considering amending it so that it would permanently ban Boris Johnson from being, you know, uh, being an MP. Mm. I don't think they'll do that. And I don't think it'll pass anyway, but that would be no. quite an interesting, be very interesting. thing to do. Um, possibly uh, would backfire massively <laughs> if they did try and do that, because I don't think any Conservative MP would want no. to permanently ban him from Parliament. Um, one on the, on the subject of the, the actual punishment, this is one interesting thing from the report. Um, they, it was unanimous in the end to approve of the final report, but there was an amendment that two, uh, two MPs on the, on the committee tried to make and they wanted to expel Boris Johnson straight up without, um, any suspension or anything. They just wanted to kick him out. Um, and, but that got two yeses and then four noes from the conservatives on the committee. So it didn't actually pass, but that, so there clearly was an appetite to go further than that 90 day suspension that they ended that is up wild, recommending. Fact, yeah. Like Especially considering that only on Monday we were discussing, oh, it might be 10, it might be 20, yeah. to consider that two members of committee wanted to expel him. Yeah. And there's been very few. I don't, either there's been very few or there's been none, uh, as in uh, uh, privileges committee suspending MPs before, or any committee suspending MPs. Um, yeah, I mean, the people who get... I don't know. I feel like we need to go away and Google it, but <laughs> I don't actually know the answer. Um yeah, I, as far as I'm aware, no one's been expelled from the House through that mechanism before. No, exactly. But that's usually because if someone does something bad enough, they are either shamed out, shamed into resigning, or they just resign off their own back, or they are convicted of something and there's a recall petition or something. It's it's rare that that it would come to a proper expulsion. I mean, like with Johnson, he resigned before they even gave him a chance. So um, he denied us a, you know, a few... Yeah video well, titles even, and thumbnails by doing it even keith faz who who uh was in the middle of a scandal where he was he agreed to buy cocaine for sex workers got a six month suspension he yeah. wasn't expelled yeah so the fact that they were looking to expel johnson is significant yeah um but yeah so the votes on monday so we're doing a podcast next week so we'll be discussing that i'm sure uh next week but um cool yeah so 
an emergency episode this week already. Uh, it's a good time to restart the podcast. Do we, do we do the whole emergency podcast thing like all the other podcasts? We do sirens and, you know, pretend we rushed in to record it. I think no? the tone of the podcast <laughs> shows that the urgency really is yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, thank you both for joining. Yeah, I'm sure we'll... muted podcast, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was expecting it to be more fiery, but I think the sort of... I mean, continued... when you have a 110-page report to talk about, it's kind of... Kind of brings yeah, things down true. a bit. You were right? surprisingly calm. I thought you'd have a fire in the belly. <laughs> Maybe I'm saving it for next okay, week. Okay, very exactly. nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Regularly scheduled anger. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you both. Thank, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben.